welcome to the Run Strong podcast, episode 68. Unfortunately, Rob Jones is on full dad duties, so I can't ask him how he is um, or laugh at his, how bad his internet is today. Um, we'll hopefully get him on the show a little bit later. We have a guest on today's show who is called Inez Griffin. Inez currently works within a uh, well-living program that takes control of type 2 diabetes and tries to prevent them. Um, and she is down in the UK doing that, down in a, a place called Dorset, which is a beautiful area of the world. But actually, Inez studied sport, uh, sport and exercise science and has a master's in sport and exercise science at Cardiff Met University. So obviously, she chose the best country to go to university in. Um, we talk, we get Inez on the show and she explains really well to us what a um, syndrome quite uh, we see quite a lot within endurance sports, which is called REDS. Um, and she talks all about how we can identify it, how we can prevent it and, and what to do if you are in it. Um, it's a really interesting show and, and I hope you can recognize a few things in it for yourself and, and take a lot away from it. Without Rob Jones here telling me all about his ultra running and uh, weekend escapades, I can tell you guys a little bit more about what we are offering at Innerfight Endurance at the moment. Um, with the most important thing first is we have strength classes back on our gym program. So if you are local to us here in Dubai, um, Innerfight Gym, which is in Studio City um, in, in Dubai, then we would love to have you along for our new strength classes, which are on Saturdays at 11 a.m. That's with Coach Jess and on Sundays at 6.30 a.m. with um, Coach Ivana. And they're really good sessions based on everything that an endurance athlete needs in terms of strength training. They're an hour long. You'll do about 55 minutes of, of really hard work, that other five minutes being there to explain the movements to you. And then you can have an awesome coffee afterwards at our Smith Street Paleo coffee stand. We obviously also offer online programming and our normal programming which if you would like to get involved in anything from triathlon, running, cycling, OCR, adventure racing, you can email us endurance at innerfight.com. Cool. Welcome to the show, Inez. I have to check that is how you pronounce your name. Yes, that is right. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having <laughs> me as well. It's great. Um, yeah. Oh, pleasure. I was, uh, I was just introducing you and just first of all, highlighted the fact of the best part of of your introduction is you went to Cardiff Met. So you obviously have the yeah. best choice of, of university country to go to in the UK. So happy to hear that. Oh, great place. Uh, I wasn't supposed to go there, actually. I went through clearing in the end to get there, but I am so glad I just had, you know, the best time. And the course was great as well, but the sport side of things at Cardiff Met was just outstanding. So yeah, it was, it was really good. Really loved it. Good. So, Inez, how are you getting on in the UK? I think that's the first, first place to start. You're, in, you're currently in the UK. Ooh. How is lockdown treating yeah. you? Well, we're in lockdown again, um, but it's all right. I mean, I've, my job's been pretty stable throughout, so that's been good. Um, I've just been working from home since March last year, um, so luckily I'm still going with that, um, which is fine. Um, you know, things have changed quite a lot, but it's been going on so long now. I think we've all adapted quite well and... So yeah, it's, it's all right, really. And I, actually, I've had quite a good year in terms of, you know, career and getting back into sport again a little bit more as well, which has been nice. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty positive, really, which is good. So Good. Yeah. That's nice to hear. So you're, um, you are a facilitator as part of a, a Living Well Taking Control Type 2 Diabetes Prevention Programme. How has that been with not being able to see the people that you're working with face-to-face yeah you had to improvise a lot with that Ooh. yeah it was it was hard to start with because most of our patients that we work with you know we do work with quite a few elderly people and it's generally the adult population sort of in the county and um, so we've switched on to zoom and sort of phone courses where normally we would be out in the community delivering these sessions so yeah it's, it's been a big change but luckily everyone's been so you know thankful that we're still running the course and Obviously, the NHS has put, you know, a lot of focus on preventative medicine, uh, especially in the last 18 months, which has been fab. Um, and obviously with COVID, diabetes is a big risk factor for, you know, the complications of COVID. So it's been we've been busy, which is really, you know, not what we expected. So, 
yeah think of you know a group of 25 OAPs on Zoom it was a bit stressful to start with but they're all great now so yeah it's been it's been challenging but it's been good so keeping us going. And one of the things I I really liked about sort of the way you wrote your article and and also just your um your sort of biography of yourself is you're working in the real world and a lot of the times people we get on the show or or stuff we put out there is is based off either nutritionists or sports scientists working with within the elite level working where they can control Mm -hmm. exactly what their athletes are having or maybe they've read studies that has control of exactly what people are people are um, eating and things and you're obviously working in the real world where you you have to adapt to things like not everyone's going to like certain foods not everyone's going to be able to always access the certain foods that we hear about is so good for for fueling uh, endurance sports so when you wrote your um your article about fueling adequately to maintain health and performance were you coming from a very much a, you've studied what is optimal but you've also worked in what is real and that's why you found such mm-hmm. a good medium yeah I think it's been really helpful because obviously at uni a lot of it was looking at elite athletes obviously sports science you do look mainly at that side but now obviously I'm looking at exercise science and the nutrition side of things from my job as well so yeah it just has that sort of real life understanding I think it's been really helpful you know you can read all of this stuff about elite athletes but then you know not everyone's an elite athlete you know all of these articles yeah they can be used and applied to Olympic athletes and all sorts but even people that are sort of going out and doing a park run every Saturday it's still applicable to them so I think having that information that everyone can benefit from and you know going into detail but letting the reader sort of take away what applies to them I think that's really important so yeah I think it has helped which is which is good awesome good well let's let's get stuck into um into what you're here to talk about then which is there's something called REDS, which stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. And it can seem quite a complicated title of a, of a syndrome, if you like. But why don't you just explain to us a little bit what that is and, yeah, just a broad outline of it. Yeah, so the history of it, it wasn't always known as REDS. So if we're thinking back sort of in the 90s and 80s, we had the female athlete triad, which is where this all came from. And um, And that is obviously just looking at female athletes and triads, so just three parts. Um, So that would be a female athlete presenting with, you know, eating disorders or disordered eating habits, osteoporosis, so low bone mineral density, um, and amenorrhea. So either not starting your period until you're after age 15 or missing three in a row. Um, So, you know, it was really quite common, especially in endurance athletes, you know triathlon distance running um, and in weight class sports as well and things like gymnastics and swimming also um, but then sort of as the research carried on and on and people looked a lot into overtraining and you know seeing all of these effects on people and um, the scientists sort of started to realize it didn't just affect females um, and there's far more than just those three sort of knock-on effects it can have um, and that's where REDS came from. Um, the International Olympic Committee, they did a massive study in 2014 um, and all their experts sort of joined together to work on this new condition that they've called REDS, so relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, and that's where it came from, really. You know, it applies to men, women, elite athletes, recreational athletes, any sport, any level. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot more information that we've got now, which is good. Um, and obviously it applies to a lot more people. So, yeah, that was really important. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where it's come from. Um, and and what, yeah. are some, what are some warning signs then that, that you might be suffering with REDS? Yeah, so those three that we mentioned from the female athlete triad, so, you know, disordered eating and that sort of mentality around food and body weight, that can be one aspect. Um, osteoporosis as well and missing periods or changes to the menstrual cycle um, but then also things like injury you know recurrent injury whether it's stress fractures soft tissue um, illness as well so picking up you know common colds and coughs and upper respir- respiratory tract conditions and um, all that sort of stuff as well um, not performing very well in your sport poor recovery all that sort of stuff, fatigue, poor sleep, um, being in a bad mood, you know, just 
anything really so many different symptoms and people will experience them very differently um so yeah basically anything in relation to your health and your performance can be affected by reds um so it's not good news unfortunately yeah i mean off that list god i must be hitting a, a good 80 percent of them <laughs> generally oh no they're uh, <laughs> But I, you know what? A lot of people are, and I don't think people yeah. understand. This is why I wanted to have you on the on the show: is how much of what they're intaking daily is their is their energy, which obviously comes from food. Mm. How much that is going to affect their uh, their recovery, their performance, everything to do with it. I think sleep has got a real big limelight on it lately, uh, like a spotlight mm. on sleep because of uh, probably because of Matthew Walker's book why we sleep mm. for the past sort of three years and, and he was on Joe Rogan and it really got highlighted, but food has been like just in and out all the time of, of, you know, how mm. much it can affect your performance, especially in, in sport. Where would you start with someone then if, if they're saying, yeah, okay, I have, I have one of those. And I, you've, you've written a really comprehensive list here, which I'm just actually going to go over because I think it's important if, if you are listening and you have any of these it's, it's a time to address, you know, really what your daily intake of food is, is looking like. So you've, you've written a great list, poor recovery from training and competition. I think everyone can, can relate at some point to that. Underperforming, weight loss, um, like fast weight loss initially. So I'm assuming at like the start of a, of a training block or, or a diet. Recurrent injuries, so soft tissues and stress fractures, slower recovery times than, than you might think. Frequent bouts of, of illness, um, problems staying uh, warm or cool, so warm in winter or cool during summer. Um, one thing you said, irritability, so bad moves, uh, bad moods, disrupted sleep patterns, aching muscles, um, sometimes night sweats. That, that's an interesting one. Uh, fatigue, like general fatigue, bloating, constipation can often be uh, misdiagnosed as IBS. Disordered eating habits, which, which you mentioned, which I think is really common in, in endurance mm. sport especially around as you're getting more towards the more elite level um, as you said with women sort of irregular menstrual cycles and in men reduced um, libido and like morning erections so generally like I'd imagine testosterone levels are going to be down there mm. and then uh, probably more of a serious one is, is cardiac irregularities um, elevated mm. or depressed resting and exercise heart rates and, and cardiac arrhythmias so you, you can actually get cardiac arrhythmia from putting yourself into into reds for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's being in this state of low energy availability. That's what's causing all of these symptoms. And like, you know, reading through that list, it's just about every part of the body that can be affected. Mm. Um, but like you said, you know, it, people, it happens. You know, so many people are in this state and they just don't realise because athletes have this mentality of you know oh okay this might be happening but I'll just push through and they've got that goal in sight and that is all you know you've got that tunnel vision that's all you're working towards it's really common and I think what's important and what's good about talking about this today is just to raise awareness you know it might not apply directly to the person listening but if they're identifying that in a teammate or their friend or you know it can just really help people to get back on track because you know that list you know there are things that could end your career you know your sporting career you, you know you're breaking your spine like seven times like there's been examples you know Mary Kane she's a great example for reds you know stress fractures and all of these horrible effects that you can see um, and yeah it's really really important so it's, yeah keep an eye out for the symptoms definitely that's a really good point actually if yeah because i mean we're a we endurance is normally seen as being a very individual sport but actually we mm. we show out here that it's not we have a we have a huge team and often people socialize within it and, it and if you are seeing it in your other fellow athletes then maybe it's a good time to flick them over this this article or listen to this podcast because hopefully we can we can help them so my question next question inez is how much of a deficit do we need to be in each day in order to put ourselves into reds can it happen overnight or does it take a while is it is it a chronic thing yeah it, it does tend to take a little bit longer and, and there's sort of two avenues that we can explore here two sort of reasons that we can end up in this low energy state and um, the first one you know is intentional so sometimes people you know are often trying to lose weight you know especially in sport we've got this lighter is faster mentality which 
obviously is argued against a lot of the time, but lots of coaches still sort of ingrain that into their athletes or they do themselves. So that's where we see you know, those disordered eating habits or over-exercising in a bid to lower body weight. Um, so that can be quite extreme. You know, the difference between the calorific intake and the expenditure, um, especially endurance sports, you're going to be burning a lot of calories during your training and competition. And if they're cutting out food groups or really restricting on sort of fueling before and after training, that could be a pretty big deficit. Um, obviously, that's going to lead to weight loss, low energy availability and ultimately reds. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. So it does take a little bit of time to sort of see those symptoms build up. Um, but it also can happen by accident, which is really, really common. And, and that could be only slight. And so that's just by accidentally underfueling. And I think so many athletes do this, you know, again, especially in endurance sports, it's so easy to underestimate how much you actually need to eat. Um, you think like Michael Phelps is a great example at the Olympics when they actually looked at his diet and he was eating, I think it was nearly 12,000 calories a day, you know, during the two weeks of the competition. Um, you can actually sort of work out, you know, the exact calories that you need to be eating, um, but really just having a balanced diet and making sure that you're fueling appropriately. So before your sessions, after your sessions, as well as having, you know, your sort of high volume meals throughout the day and snacks sort of spread out, you know, it is a bit of trial and error um, and getting feedback on that is really important. So like doing a food diary or a training diary. So you can make a note of days where you're doing, you know, higher volumes or intensities and then working out from that. Um, I think that's really important. So, yeah, commonly, you know, it's just by accident. If your training increases, your diet needs to increase as well. And, and often, you know, we, we're not doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think something else to important to remember is it's a, a relative energy deficit. So it's you might have done a really hard weekend and you might still be catching up. You don't have to eat all of your calories back in that weekend from what you've done. It's going to be in the preceding days. Um, right. So it's going to be off, you know, the, the three days afterwards where you're still recovering from all the work you've put in. You can't just think, oh, I'm, I'm having a recovery day, so I, I shouldn't be eating. That's a really important time to, to refuel. Yeah, definitely. You know, your body's still trying to get back to where it was before you, you know, your training or your competition. So, yeah, it's not it's not short term. You know, you need to look at that bigger picture. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then how would you um, suggest people work out their calories? Should we, we use our, our calorie trackers, our activity trackers? If, if let's say we do a ride and at the end Garmin says you burn, you know, a thousand calories, do we believe it? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're not the most accurate things ever, you know, compared to sort of testing that they're doing a lab, but they do give us a good indication. So really, the, the best thing to do, if you have sort of the provision would be to sit down with a registered nutritionist or dietitian, and they would help you to work that out exactly to plan that fueling. And um, so obviously, if you are like an elite athlete, and you have access to that side of things, that would be the best thing to do. Um, you can use your trackers as an estimate, um, but remember, you're burning calories constantly throughout the day. And, you know, if you've had a really hard training session, you're still going to be burning calories way after that, like you said, you know, and more overnight than you would be if you were just resting. So it's a really hard one to work out and, you know, an exact figure. But, of course, you can use that sort of stuff for guidance. Um, but I think, you know, thinking about eating disorders in sport and being too focused on calories and the exact figures and um, there's a really fine line there as well so not always recommended sort of counting calories um, to every person same in my job you know looking with my patients some of them can become a bit obsessed these you know, tracking calories etc so really individual one and um, so support staff really important for that and getting someone's sort of input to help you work out not just doing it by yourself um, yeah. So yeah. And I just, a, a point on that as well, actually, I think is um, like I've worked with a few nutritionists in the past and, you know, they're doing their best to give a professional guess to what you need to eat. But at the end of the day, you are your best feedback, you know, over, mm -hmm. over a calorie tracker. So I'm sure you find this, but what would be really helpful if you are going to work with a, a nutritionist or someone to help you figure out how much you should be eating is you're very good with your feedback so how you're feeling like your mood all the time whether mm. you are hungry um you know because some people tell me that they just never feel hungry so 
Yeah. And I think, you know, you can have the best nutrition plan in the world, but if you're not feeding back to that nutritionist, you know, how you're actually mm. doing with it and the, the fact that you, you had three meals to, to have that day and you only had one because mm. you didn't feel hungry for the others, like it can be adapted with various ways, um, which I'm sure you get a lot with your patients as well, right? Yeah, and appetite is not always the best indicator. You know, um, exercise can be like an appetite suppressant, especially if you're hitting really high intensities. So athletes can struggle with that quite a lot. Physically getting that food into them after a session when they're not particularly hungry, you know, it can be quite tricky. And, you know, things like looking at your weight or measurements, that side of things as well. If, if you think you're fueling enough, but you're feeling tired, your weight's decreasing, you know, that sort of stuff obviously you are in a slight deficit and something's going wrong somewhere so any feedback you can get yeah your mood as well how well you're sleeping you know how sore you are after sessions and sort of how long that lasts as well and um, any feedback you can get like you said that's really really important to keep you on track you gave a good example there of of someone who maybe is is losing weight under eating um feeling tired and all of that what about the, the athlete who, and I see this um, a fair bit, is the athlete who, is, who thinks they're doing everything right. They're exercising a lot. Um, they believe that they're, they're eating the right amount. They might be tracking calories and, and they're pretty on with it, but they're putting weight on. Mm. They're still tired. They're still not feeling great. But yeah. how would you address that if someone is, is putting weight on? What are we saying? You're lying. You must be eating more than you think. Or <laughs> where do you go with it? It's really tricky, you know, it could be a lot of different reasons, you know, for a weight gain or even for weight sort of maintaining if they're trying to lose weight. Um, I think what's really important is that if you are looking to lose weight or to level off, you know, obviously if you're gaining weight at quite a rapid rate, you know, go and see a doctor because it could be something else that's going on, you know, it could be something unrelated. But definitely have a look at your training, your nutrition and your recovery and those three things. You want to find that balance between them. Um, again, sometimes it can be really hard. You know, what we find that helps with our patients, they say, you know, oh, I don't eat any sugar or, you know, I only eat small portions. But once they start writing them down or weighing things out, so again, getting that feedback, it helps them to sort of put it into perspective and think, actually, you know, I thought I was doing this, but actually I'm doing a little bit more. So anything you can do to sort of gain that control um, but having said that, you know, lots of people are really sort of obsessed with weight and thinking, okay, if I lose, you know, four pounds, it's going to make me three seconds faster. Um, but more often than not, you know, weight isn't always relevant to your sport performance. And I think if you are someone that's thinking you need to lose weight to perform better, really, really think about that. And again, that's where your sort of coach and staff that you've got working around you can help you. Um, because you see cases like Mary Kane that was pressured to lose weight and to get smaller and smaller to help her run faster, um, and it didn't end well. So, you know, it's one aspect of thousands of different factors that can affect your performance. You know, there are always other avenues that you can look at. Um, but obviously, if you are sort of gaining weight and you need to get that back down, doing it really slowly and sustainably is the best way. Um, it's easy to lose weight quick. You know, people go on sort of crazy diets or they cut out carbs or, you know, intermittent fasting, stuff like that. But it's not sustainable um, and that can cause problems sort of further down the road as well. So, yeah, slow and steady wins the race on that one with weight loss. That's a good message to share. Mm -hmm. Mary Kane was the runner, right? What, yeah. what was her story? Just share that a bit. Yeah, she, she ran for the Nike Oregon project over in America. Um, she was sort of one of the best up and coming runners in the US. Uh, she was training with Alberto Salazar. Um, mm. And he, you know, he just pressured her and sort of told her she was too fat and that she needed to lose weight. And she lost a lot of weight and she ended up with red. So she was in a low energy state. She wasn't eating enough. She was training just crazy amounts, as, as you'd expect. Um, and she ended up with multiple stress fractures. She completely lost her period. Um, and in the end, she ousted it to the media in 2019. Um, and there was a massive abuse allegation against him. Um, she quit running, unfortunately, because of her injuries. Um, but she's back now, which is good. And she's recovered. And she's much better again, which is 
nice, but it's a story that should never have happened in the first place. And I think it's one example of so many, you know, sure you've seen all the allegations of like gymnasts and all that sort of stuff. Things are coming to light. And I think there's going to be plenty more examples of Reds sort of being pressured upon athletes as well. So yeah, that was Mary's story. Um, So to get into into reds you you basically need to be you're, you're sort of eating let's say enough to to keep moving obviously your your basal metabolic rate so enough to be mm. um lying on your sofa all day but you're you're not eating enough to meet the demand of your exercise yeah That's basically what you're saying so yeah. that obviously is going to change a lot day to day let's say someone is quite habitual in terms of how they eat. So maybe they're on a meal plan uh, or they, they like to cook the same things um, each day because they know it works and they take their lunch and, you know, they're, they're quite organized, but they're just not sort of taking into account maybe the harder days and the, and the easier days. What's a, a few good ways, let's say, to, to, to keep doing exactly what you're doing, but be able to adjust the amounts of, of energy availability for each day? Yeah, definitely. Planning ahead. I think that's so important. So, you know, on a Sunday or, you know, whenever your week sort of starts, actually sitting down with your diary and marking down which days you're hitting those higher intensity sessions, you know, which days are recovery days or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then you can plan. So you might have that set meal plan, which is fine. So, you know, your breakfast, lunch, dinner, but then you want to account for those extra snacks that you might need pre and post training and just being organized with it. You know, you know your training schedule, you know which days you're going to be expected to work harder and for longer. So just being in control, you know, it's your nutrition and it's your life. So you've got that control and that should really, really help. Um, so planning ahead and mm. prepping, that's it. That's, it's a really good point because so many of us have a plan for training, but not a plan mm. for, for food. And, and they obviously both complement each other really, really well. Mm. So yeah, that's that's a very good good tip. Now I don't want all blokes to switch off at this point, um, but we're going to talk. I want to ask you some questions around what you talked about initially was the the female athlete triad, which is actually what I learned about um, when I when I did this subject. But I think it's really um, important to talk about because the obviously the female menstrual cycle kind of have a huge effect on your on your training and performance and and what sessions mm-hmm. you want to do when and. And how's the body reacting and recovering from from sessions? Have you just got any sort of key takeaways with this? Is it like a this is this is what happens? So at stay you know at phase this this is going to happen at phase this, this is going to happen or is it a little bit more complex than that? Yeah, so you know obviously it's roughly a month long cycle and you've got four like key phases. Um, and just going back to your point about men switching off, I think that's really important. Obviously, it affects us girls, but if you guys are our coaches, teammates, it's equally important that you, if not more important, we understand it because it happens to us every month. So, men, if you're listening, this is more important for you than it is for the ladies to understand it. So, um, you've got four main phases throughout the cycle. Um, The first one, so from day one, that's your menstrual phase. So, that's when you have your period. Um, It lasts somewhere between three to eight days. Um, your hormone levels drop obviously we have our menstrual bleed um, and then after that we move on to the next stage which is the follicular phase um, that is when we see our hormones increase so a couple of different ones will rise um, and an egg will be housed in the follicles so part of your ovaries um, and it will grow and it will mature in there and that takes somewhere between one and three weeks so it can be completely different in different women and um, so no two cycles will be exactly the same um, for different ladies um, and then after that you've got ovulation which is a really short phase just when the egg is released and it travels down the fallopian tube um, and it's got about a 24-hour lifespan and um, whether it gets fertilized or not um, if it doesn't then obviously everything that's been sort of prepared for a pregnancy needs to be removed from the body and um, so again your hormone levels change so You've got progesterone and estrogen, which are the two main ones that are sort of fluctuating throughout the cycle. And um, they drop in this last phase, uh, which is your luteal phase. And this is when we get PMS, so premenstrual syndrome, all of those symptoms uh, that ladies tend to face sort of the two weeks before your period. 
Um, and then you're back to stage one, you have your period, that lining breaks down and you have that menstrual bleed again. So it is just the cycle um, that we pass through roughly every four to six weeks. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we go through each month. And then how does that affect, how do those phases affect training as you're, as you're going along? Yeah, there's positives and negatives, really. And um, if we start off with the negatives, obviously that luteal phase, so right before you have your period, that sort of last two weeks, um, those PMS symptoms can obviously have a big effect on training. Could be cramps, so sort of stomach area and headaches, and obviously it can affect your mental well-being as well, you know, your mood. Um, general aches and pains and fatigue and trouble sleeping as well can all affect. Um, during that sort of last two weeks of the cycle as well. Um, but you also might see an increase in your core body temperature. Um, and that can obviously have an effect on your breathing rate and your heart rate. And um, especially, you know, if you're out in Dubai and the temperature is hot, it's going to be even harder. So you might find exercise is a bit harder than usual um, at that sort of time in your cycle, which is not good. Um, and, you know, it does affect most women. I think there was a really good survey that the BBC did a couple of years ago for all the elite sort of Team GB ladies. And they found that just under 60% of them were affected by some of those PMS symptoms and they had an effect on their performance. So, you know, it affects the majority, but equally there was 40% that didn't have any negative effects, which is great. So really is very independent. Um, but you can see some positive effects as well. You know, lots of people report after their period. So sort of in the first half of their cycle, they've got good mood, you know, higher energy levels as well. Um, and sort of our substrate usage. So what we're using for energy is shifts towards fat. And um, so we're breaking down fats for energy, um, which for endurance performers, that's great news because, you know, mm. fats, they take longer to break down. That can keep us going for longer. Um, and we're saving those, glycogen stores so we can use that right at the end of the race um, which can be really useful so there's positives and negatives really but everyone is going to have completely different sort of responses to that cycle and um, so yeah it can affect performance a lot definitely I think one of the other things uh, we sort of associate with the menstrual cycle is different phases of eating as well like there always seems to be as you get closer to, to your period and you're hitting PMS, that's when like, you know, all the movies, they, they crack out ice cream and feel sorry for themselves and all that. And what is, how, what is the actual right thing to be doing at that point if we're looking at sort of optimizing how you can be feeling during your PMS? Yeah, definitely. Well, our calorie burn, so our energy expenditure, it does increase slightly during that stage. And obviously we get cravings and things like that as well. Um, so, yeah, you might actually want to increase your calorie intake slightly during that stage. Um, obviously, if you're feeling tired and you've got those symptoms as well, like the cramps, that sort of stuff, you want to be eating a really nice balanced diet like you would the most time, you know, the whole time anyway. So plenty of antioxidants from fruits and vegetables and, um, you know, all vitamins, minerals going to be really important. And that can help to keep inflammation down as well, um, which is one of the key things that's going on during PMS so fatty foods as well so healthy fats like oily fish avocado they would be good nuts as well um, and just making sure we're getting enough protein and normal carbohydrates as well that we would usually go for and um, so yeah just taking it into account you know okay my period's due in two weeks time I'm starting to feel this way I'm starting to feel a bit tired or not recover properly just want to boost that diet slightly and um, to get us feeling you know better again so that's quite a common theme I see with uh, with some of the female athletes that I've coached is is they hit that sort of PMS um, time and training gets harder so they they start to to feel like they're doing something wrong which which obviously they're not you can't avoid um, going through your, your menstrual cycle and then that sort of that feeling comes around of okay PMS I need I'm feeling hungry obviously because their calorie burn's gone up but they might be going towards the wrong foods like we said like the ice cream the the foods that they're they're craving, like the craving foods that might not be the best things for them, they then get through the cycle and it's sort of a relief to get through it. But then they think, oh, I ate so much bad food. I need to go on a really strict um, eating plan for the next mm. few weeks. 
Then they try to start training again because they feel better. And it's a really easy way to put yourself right back down into an energy deficit, which is what we've been spending most of the show talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like binge restrict almost, isn't it? You know, thinking about that side of things. But, you know, you're going to get cravings is completely natural and I think yeah. even as elite athletes of course you still can eat things like that it's moderation isn't it and you know there are foods that should satisfy cravings you know foods that are high in protein you know they fill us up and um, so having those sort of calorie dense foods you can have them with more nutritional value than things like you know eating a whole tub of ice cream and you know it, it, it does happen but you know it's that mentality again I think of you know of course you know stuff happens you need to allow for that within your plan and be you know almost flexible in a way and plan ahead so that you know okay I could be having these cravings these two weeks so making sure that you've sort of prepped ahead you've got some high protein snacks and um, ready to go to sort of keep you in control again so yeah there it is again planning ahead is is so key as important as it is planning your training you should be planning your nutrition around what you're what you're doing or maybe what sort of phase your body is going to go through um one thing as well i think is important to to stress while we're talking about the menstrual cycle is adapting training as well Mm. like i think it's very easy to say oh here's my plan and you know my coach doesn't want to hear how you know i don't feel like doing it today but actually again such like if you have a nutritionist and feeding back to them um sort of informing the coach of your phase and you know it's kind of one of those taboo subjects oh i would never tell you you know what i what phase i'm in but i tell the the ladies i coach like you know if you're comfortable to talk to me about it then you need to tell me because it's it's really important yeah. for me to know i think a lot of good coaches should be should be doing that but mm-hmm. at that point then because you're you're in higher amounts of inflammation and, and obviously you're going through that um pms period of all those symptoms we talked about for for me anyway i sort of reduced down the intensity a lot because your body's mm-hmm. getting um, a much harder time of of recovering um, would you say that's the right thing to be doing I, it completely depends on the person um, I think you know thinking of my example back when I was swimming we were all quite open talking about our cycles and some of the girls really struggled and yeah they had to sort of swap out a couple of hard sessions and do them later in the week and that was fine you know our coach was really supportive of that which was you know that's fab but for myself personally I didn't see much effect so I was able just to sort of train through I might have had the odd bad session but my training wasn't particularly adapted for my cycle so if you can carry on and you don't see any negative effects that's fine but if you are seeing athletes that are really struggling you know they're dropping off and they're not sticking to pace drop that intensity and spend a little bit more time working on you know, active recovery side of things, you know, yoga, Pilates sessions, sort of strengthening side of stuff. Um, and then just some lower intensity work as well, um, sort of before your period. And then during and after the period, that's when you can really work on hitting some of that high intensity stuff. Um, and, you know, your body will be able to sort of carry that intensity, um, which is good. So, yeah, you can adapt it. But again, it's completely different for everyone. So, really important to talk to your coach about that um, and I think nowadays you know that taboo is really almost gone I think people yeah. are so more open about it at the moment um, yeah. I think swimming is just a different sort of sport isn't it because you're all sort of walking around half naked the whole time anyway and you all spend god like six hours a day with each other every day of the week for however many years there was no no barrier there we all just spoke about what we were going through which was a really nice sort of supportive environment so I think that's that's really important and now we've got such a better scientific understanding of the cycle and the effects it can have that that is helping us now as well good and I just want to ask you as well on that on that point we're actually getting um Andy on the show in a few weeks time who is the uh, the owner of precision hydration who uh who you write for but just what sort of hydration factors should women be considering when going through their menstrual cycles as well because like you say body temperature goes up so especially if you're in a hotter climate is that something they need to think about more as well well yeah absolutely you know you could be sweating more um, and again this is something that andy's going to talk about in so much detail when he comes on the show so yeah, it is something to consider, you know, like you consider your diet and your exercise, hydration obviously is just as important, um, especially yeah, if you're out in a hot climate. So 
yeah I'll, I'll probably leave that one to him because he'll go into so much more detail but definitely it is going to be different for men and women so something to consider yeah brilliant thank you Inez so you, you used to swim quite competitively yes I did um I found the local club um in pool and then sort of got to national standard and finaled a few times at British nationals which was good um, and then I went to uni and I carried on, but I sort of did it a little bit more sociably. Um, but still managed to get a few PBs when I was at Cardiff Met, so that was good. Um, but I started open water this year throughout lockdown because I live by the beach and a few of us have sort of set up our own little group where we go and have a swim. So I think Excellent. I'll be getting into that side of things a bit more now, which is good. Um, Any eyes on running or cycling? Ah, I did my first half marathon on Saturday, so... that as well now which I mean the wind was just absolutely crazy so we we managed sub two hours as our goal we went 159 so we just managed it Um, so yeah I think it's going to be a good year I sort of found that you know when you've sort of you've competed in sport all these years and you've done a sport degree and and I you know I'm an active person I go to the gym all the time and I've been keeping active but now getting back into a more competitive side of things again after a couple of years off um, it's exciting so yeah I'm really looking forward to this year hopefully if corona you know eventually calms down a little bit we'll be able to have some events and enter a couple of things so just holding out hope at the moment um, excellent yeah. good well thank you so much for your time and coming on the show all right and uh, yeah hopefully we, ah, pleasure we'll we'll hopefully get some questions off the back of this show or um, if people want to get into in touch with you, can you you like sharing an email for people to get in contact with or an Instagram page? Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, my Instagram is just my name, so at Inez Griffin, so I N E Z G R I W F I N, and my email address it's Inez Griffin ninety seven at gmail dot com. If anyone's got questions, perfect. Um, I will put it all in the show notes. Thank put it all you in the show much. notes for you guys. Inez, thanks again and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you so much. And just a quick note, remember we've got a discount code for your listeners um, from Precision Hydration. If they wanted to get their hands on any of their products, so they do electrolyte products, all different strengths. um, They are really good products. I've been trying them out myself now that I've been out running and they've definitely helped. So yeah, if you want to give them a go, obviously you've got Andy coming on the show in a couple of weeks as well and he will show you all the benefits of using their products um, yes so if you want to try them out you've got a code um fab. we will and you've just reminded me very well which i will put again in the show notes and i'll also include it in our intro and outro so thank you <laughs> I nearly forgot about right. that. rob jones finally made it i'm here i missed the interview but i'm i'm here i'm here sorry dad life <laughs> dad life calls Dad life did call today unfortunately so but people still get to hear my voice we've managed to record an outro together Exactly. You didn't make it for the intro, didn't make it for the interview, but the most important bit is the outro. You could have just pretended you were here, but your internet froze the whole time. And then <laughs> you just popped in at the end. Just, uh, uh, yeah, but interesting. Yeah, everyone, everyone would have believed that as well. And now you actually have to go back and listen to the show to know what we talked about. So I know. we'll yeah, get well, one more listener this week. That's true. Our downloads are on the up and up because people are rating and reviewing the podcast. They're sharing it with their friends. We're getting some awesome people on and we are growing. We are. We had great numbers last week, actually. Actually, the first half of this year has been, has been solid from a, from a podcast standpoint. Yeah. It's good, mate. It's definitely down to, to your internet connection as well. I'm pretty sure <laughs> on that. You need to leave it now. You need to drop it like my internet connection. <laughs> Sorry. So, mate, tell um, us uh, on the on the weekend, which is it's obviously why everyone's still listening. Uh, <laughs> we want to hear about your weekend. <laughs> That's it. They were, people want to know about my weekend. What I did, I went running in the sand dunes. The highlight of the weekend was easily. Do you know what? Actually, we had people in their thirties, forties, and fifties. No, <laughs> don't name Everyone, the fifties, huh? No, I'm not naming any names. I'm, I think. People in their 50s. Yeah, definitely in their 50s. We talked about this. And to see 30, 40 and 50 year old grown adults with professional jobs earning more money than is godly human for a human to to earn, running downhill, laughing and giggling like 10 year old children. It's fantastic. Not only did we 
And we got to the bottom of the hill and I said, do you know what? I'm going to do that again. And they all did it again with me. Of course. Mate, I had a very similar experience last, uh, last week on my mountain bike. I went to a yeah. place that had jumps and you're going full clip at this jump, not having a clue whether you can do it or not. <laughs> and your body just hits you with this like adrenaline surge that yeah. you can only uh, relate to as being a kid, you know, trying to fall out the tree or a slip and slide or going on your first roller coaster, shit like that. It's, it's brilliant. And do you know what? Yeah, we looked at some of the stats post run because I'm a, a bit of a nerd. I was like, I want to know how steep that hill was, how fast we were running um and just gives give like put it in the group so they know what it was it was 40 percent gradient Ooh. downhill and we were our average speed for the decline was two minutes 19 a k and there was not a meniscus in sight <laughs> the second time we went down i couldn't feel my legs for the first half i was like something's gonna go wrong it's gonna go horribly wrong and it was you that added, steep. A, added a load of patella bones to the oh, yeah, 100%. rock <laughs> It's just like, this is human, human, human. Yeah. <laughs> and a gel wrapper. A gel wrapper. No, no litter was left. No we actually littering. picked up litter as we went. That so was very good. good. And it was, the hill was that steep that by the time you planted your leading foot, your rear foot hadn't left the sand. <laughs> your toe was still dragging as you pulled through. It looked fun. I've got to say it, it looked it fun. It was very good fun. We'll definitely be going back there. You're, you're taking on the Rack virtual half marathon this weekend, and it's my turn to go out to the, uh, to the mountains again, actually. I am. I need to produce a little bit of speed from somewhere, it seems. Yeah. What are we, what are we going for, mate? Tell us. What are, you, what are you aiming at? I don't know, actually. There's been a few numbers banded around. Um, my last, my, well, my Rack half, my rack half marathon, it's a mouthful, was 124.17 last year. So we're going sub 124, I hope. It's well, that's bang on four minutes a K. So I need to run faster than four minutes a K. 359. <laughs> 3.59, it seems. I know that Rob Foster is starting a, a 120 bandwagon. Um, and I'm not quite sure I'm conditioned enough for that. But we we threw right that I'll uh, I'll sit on the back and see how long I can cling on for. Mate, I fully I'm fully on board with the sandbag method. I believe you should go for that. I could last at least 10K and then the second half, at least I'll have 10 seconds of K buffer. Plus, you know the beach track really, really well. So you know everywhere you can hide and jump back on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you're good. looking around quite frantically. Has Hannah run off while you're on no. the Sounds like someone's pouring the hose on in the garden on my uh, freshly washed laundry, but never mind. We haven't Hannah's... talked about your gardener for a long time, but is he back doing bench press or is different? No, way? no, he left and he sent his brother over who is just a gardener, unfortunately. No bench or deadlifts. No, doesn't use the trampoline, doesn't ask to borrow laptops or bikes or carbon. <laughs> it's very dull, actually. Sorry, I'll need to set, like, send him away and get a better guy again for some uh, podcast material. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, uh, I just wanted to, to hear your voice on the podcast, mate. That's the only reason why I want to do the outro with you. We do have a code for precision hydration, which luckily Inez told me about at the end um, of, of the show because I completely forgot. So I'm now also frantically looking for the code for you guys. So give me two seconds. Is this our ad? Are we sponsored now? Uh, yeah, let, why, don't, why not? Let's call ourselves it's the worst sponsored podcast in the world. Uh, oh, I've completely lost it. Rob, you're going to have to fill the gap in with some of the amazing facts that you have. Um. <laughs> so the rack half marathon was meant to be this weekend but unfortunately it's cancelled so they are what they did in an interesting twist was they decided that they would email out the race packs and the medals before the event had actually happened without anyone actually running so lots of people in dubai i'm sure will sit at home this weekend do nothing and claim they've run a half marathon um, is that enough i can't believe yeah Have you filled I mean, it? good it's annoyed me but here's some better news you can go to precisionhydration.com, which I'll mm-hmm. put in the show notes for you guys. Go to precisionhydration.com and use the code RUNSTRONG and you can get 15% off your first order. That is a great deal. I've, have you used their stuff before? Uh, well, they sent me, well, they sent us 
but it got shipped to me and I haven't shared any with you. <laughs> so yeah, you kind of called me out on that one. I, so yes, I have used their stuff. Um, I have some sitting here. I will do my best to bring you a tube of, um, of electrolytes in, but it, it's a very clever range. They have a sort of a low sweat, a medium sweat and a high sweat rate That's, of thanks. products. And, uh, oh, your internet's froze. Good time. Anyway, I'll keep talking. So you're, depending on how much of a heavy sweater you are, depends on which product you need to be using. So they have a uh, 500, a 1000 and a 1500, which stands mm -hmm. for the milligrams of sodium within their product. Um, and I guess out here in Dubai, most of us are going to be around a thousand to a 1500. Um, yeah. so they're the, if, you're, if you're thinking what to buy. The other thing you can do is you can take their online sweat test, which I've also done. And that will tell you which product you need to buy. So you just go through a series of questions. It's very easy. And, uh, and then, yeah, use the code RUNSTRONG at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. Yeah, they've got a free uh, hydration plan on their website as well. And actually, one of, their, one of their, if you like, professional athletes is currently in Dubai. Who? Elish. Ah. Yep. Didn't know that. Seen her go. running around, winning races. Chasing skinny, getting fast. everyone getting everyone lost. <laughs> and we will have Andy, Andy Blow, who is an absolute legend in the endurance world, um, Xterra world champ. He will be on the show in a few weeks' time, and mate, he is he's going to blow our minds with some uh, facts about hydration and Quite probably a little exactly. bit about nutrition as well. Yeah, it's going to be like the time that we had. Uh, the, the guy from Secret Training on, and he just started talking, and within about 30 seconds, he'd gone beyond my limit of knowledge. <laughs> as soon as they mentioned the word isotopes, that's me. Uh, that's sort of, uh... <laughs> there we go. That'd we look forward good. to that. Thank you very much for listening, guys. It's been a bit of a longer one today, but hopefully one full of knowledge for you. And don't forget, precisionhydration.com. Use the code RUNSTRONG. No space in between run and strong. Just the code RUNSTRONG. And you can get your hands on some great hydration products. Rob Jones, next week, we may have a guest again. Yes. I've actually, we do have it. I've confirmed it today. <laughs> so we'll look forward to that one. Thanks for popping in, mate. Hope dad Thank life you. is all good over there. All good. Yes, all good. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely week, guys. Bye.